choosing this BJSM podcast to listen to Professor Jill Cook. She's a professor at La Trobe University in Melbourne, and the purpose of this podcast is to discuss a concept that she introduced to literature about capacity. Jill, thanks for having a chat to us about capacity. My pleasure, Karen. And you've got an editorial with Sean Docking in the BJSM, and it's been very popular on Twitter already. And it's called Rehabilitation Will Increase Capacity of Your Tissue. And you're saying it's a core concept for clinicians. So what drove you to using the term capacity as you have done? It's really interesting. I think it's inherent in what all clinicians think about and use in their clinical reasoning, but I'm not sure that we actually define it very well to ourselves and as clinicians, and also we don't, I don't think we define it very well to our, our patients. So this is an attempt to use a word to try and put it into some sort of clinical perspective. And what is it? I guess the definition in the paper is the ability of a tissue, whether it's an injured one or not, to, to tolerate the loads that the person, the patient, wants to put on them. So it will obviously vary between tissues, but basically what it means is that if you want to go out and run, you have to have the ability of your tissues to tolerate those loads. So I guess it's a tissue ability to to deal with the loads that each individual wants to place on them. It is a new term, Jill, and a few folks on Twitter suggested that function covers it, and so I wonder why you chose the new term capacity. Yeah, it's an interesting question, and I'm not sure that we really, they're mutually exclusive, but I guess capacity is more a tissue term, whereas function is more about the body, the joints, I guess a series of tissues that are working in conjunction. So functions about, you know, your muscles and your ligaments and your joints and your cartilage and your tendons all working together, whereas capacity, I think, is tissue specific. So can you take us through an example where someone has a hamstring strain and they're being rehabilitated? Yeah, I'm not an expert in hamstring strain, so I think I want to put that out there first. But, you know, what we attempt to do with a muscle strain, and, and of course a muscle strain is a musculotendinous junction problem usually, um, is to restore that tissue at that point to being able to tolerate the load. So we would take them through low-level loading um, and increase it with exercises that we know will put more and more load on it. So again, in muscles, eccentric um, contractions have a higher load on the tissue. So we'd start with the, the lower concentric isometric loads, build through to our eccentric loads, and then put it, I guess, in the functional perspective, that is, get it to work in ways with other tissues and other joints in the way that that person needs to return to their sport. So is there a concept where there's differential capacity, so one part might get weak while someone's rehabilitating a hamstring? 
Yeah, I think this is something, again, we inherently do as clinicians, um, but I'm not sure we do it as well as we could. We tend to get very focused on the affected tissue. We, as sports medicine practitioners, we image it, we, we treat it, we, we load it, but we actually forget that if we're removing all the other tissues that are related and around the area from high-level loading, then the capacity of additional tissues is going to go down. And you know, um, Carolyn Finch has done a great paper where she's introduced the concept that subsequent injuries are not just about recurrent injuries, so injuring the same tissue, is that if you have an injury to one tissue, you can have a subsequent injury to other tissues because you haven't put the load through the tissues that are associated with the actual injury. That is, so in the, in the paper we talk about rehabilitating a hamstring muscle is not going to address the tissues that might be loaded in change of direction aspects of the sport. And so you might end up with um, a groin strain. Uh, so we have to, as clinicians, really not only think about the capacity of the tissue that we're rehabilitating because it's injured, but actually address all of the the loads and all of the capacity that we need to get that person back to their sport. And how do you use this in the clinical setting when you're talking to patients? Yeah, I think it's a really important concept for patients, um, particularly in tendons. We use it a lot. What what we say and how we explain it is your tissue capacity will only ever be as great as the load you place on it. So if you don't load a tissue, then it will never increase or, or maintain its capacity. So we see a lot of tendon injuries, for example, when people have had a rest, and, and we explain this to athletes by saying you haven't loaded it, the capacity of the tissue drops when you're resting or, or having a holiday, and then when you go back to a high load environment, you actually haven't allowed the tissue to uh, re-establish its capacity. So it's a really good concept for patients to to get because they suddenly understand why pre-season loading is particularly um, tough uh, on tissues because of off-season um, resting where the capacity of the tissue decreases. And you've got me thinking about Tim Gabbett's work because he emphasises heavy training and quality training is needed, otherwise the tissue will fail in those situations. So I think it's interesting for him at the macro level. Let's finish by talking about the figure in the paper, Jill. You developed a figure to explain this, and it's been popular on Twitter with uh, many shares, and people can easily get it in front of them, and I can put it on Twitter again. So and just, just take us through it, acknowledging that there will be people driving while they're listening to this, Jill. Okay, so this is a really important um, diagram and we draw it for, our, for all our patients with tendinopathy because it helps them understand what we're trying to achieve with rehabilitation. So on the bottom left of the diagram, we have current capacity and here when we have a patient, we actually list what they're capable of doing and often they have poor strength and poor muscle bulk and poor endurance and, and, and very little capacity to do energy storage in their tendon. In the top right of the uh, picture is the required capacity and obviously if somebody wants to return to football they need to be able to sprint and change direction and jump and kick. So we will again for our patients list that 
so that they can see the difference between what they're currently able to do and what they actually need to do. And then the line between them has strength, energy storage, energy storage and release. And what we have to do with tendons is very gradually increase the capacity of the tendon by building a bridge between what they currently can do and what they, they want to do in, in quite small steps. And we go through that with a strength, energy storage and energy storage release sort of program. So, uh, you know, a subsequent program. I like it. I get that. I like the idea of writing um, down their current demands on a piece of paper and giving to them, and then the, it's visually really obvious that, as you mentioned, this bridge, that you write the list of what they should be doing in the top right, and so that's nice. So there are those three components across that bridge, the strength, energy storage, and energy storage and release. Take us through each of those three just briefly is what the key exercises might be or the key conceptual difference between those three steps between current capacity and required capacity. Yeah, the other thing that this diagram does is actually allow people to understand why it might take time to restore capacity in a, in a tissue because then they can see that there's a long way between what they can currently do and what they really want to do. So for tendons, we know that strength doesn't load the tendon very much, but what we do need and, and seem to it seems to be essential in rehabilitation is to have good muscle capacity in the in the attached muscle to the affected tendon. And of course we work with muscles throughout the kinetic chain. So I'm just going to talk about the affected one, but of course realise that we, we consider all the muscles in the kinetic chain. So getting the muscles strong is a really good way uh, to start, doesn't load the tendon very much. Once we have a base, a good strength base to go off, and we would use isotonic exercises to do that, then we start to load the tendon with our energy storage loads, which is our um, faster eccentric loading, which really places a much higher load on the tendon. And this is where we really start to ask the tendon to declare whether it has a capacity for the, the loads that we're slowly increasing. Examples of energy storage loads would be decelerations and a very slow change of direction for the patella tendon. Might be some very low level skipping for the Achilles tendon, for example. Once it was very capable of tolerating that loads, we'd start to go with the energy storage and release. Again, this is a get faster activity. This is really very much about the, the loads for us for sports. So this is about the quicker change of direction, the stopping and blocking, the sprinting, you know, all of those sorts of loads where the tendon is maximally loaded. And of course the diagram considers endurance right through this and, and endurance must be built in depending on the required capacity throughout this whole diagram. Great. So for those who've got the diagram, it's the red endurance and compression loads with the three arrowheads, and they point to strength in energy storage and energy storage and release. So you're saying it applies to all of those? Of course, yeah. So depending on, again, the required capacity. So if somebody's a triple jumper, we probably wouldn't do a ton of endurance loads at any stage. We'd be very much more interested in getting the quality loads um, throughout the strength, energy, storage, energy, storage and release. But if someone's a middle distance runner, then endurance becomes a much more important load. So we're not asking, only asking the tissue to be tolerant of the strength, energy, storage and energy, storage and release loads. We're actually asking it to do repetitively. And I think it's a, such an important part of restoring that capacity to the tissue. And so if you had it, 
someone who just wanted to listen to the last 30 seconds of this podcast, what would you say? I think we naturally think about tissue capacity as clinicians, but I think actually pulling it out and thinking about the tissue and incorporating how the tissue capacity is going to change and how you need it to change to get that person back to sport and then thinking about how functional movements might help you restore that capacity will uh, allow you to get your athletes back to sport. Thanks a lot, Jill. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this BJSM podcast. We have over 200 podcasts and many other videos on the BJSM site. The mobile app will be a great way for you to get to that easily. Thanks for listening and have an active day.